Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, episode 016, a conversation with Lindsay Danis, and we're going to be going over our very first first page reaction tonight. We will be speaking with the author who is brave enough to give us a first page for our first page series. So if you want to hear Lindsay's first page, you can go back to episode 14 and hear us talk about the page with Agent Katie Flum. So welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I'm totally excited. We're thrilled to have you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you as a writer? How long have you been writing? What's your dream goal as an author? And what would success look like to you? Oh, God. I mean, I've been writing like forever, most of my life, seriously, since, I don't know, I got my MFA like 12 years ago or something ridiculous. Um, Where'd you go? And I went to Emerson. Nice. And then I started working on a novel that I didn't finish for like an embarrassingly long time. And then at one point during writing that novel, I was just like, yeah, I need to write something else. And I started the young adult novel that you guys read the first page of. So success for me at this point would look like, you know, getting an agent, getting that novel published and continuing to write more novels. And that's the story of so many people, you know, that it is, it's about, it's about the grind of writing. It's about every day, thinking about it, doing it putting things away, starting fresh. So that's that's a story that I think I've heard a lot over the years from writers. So tell us, when you um, uploaded that first page, what questions did you have going in? I think what I was hoping to get out of it and what ultimately did happen, which is awesome, is that I just really wanted to hear from like an agent and people in the industry, like what was working, what wasn't working, and hear someone's response to it. Because I'd been querying agents and just... It was like, oh, you know, it's going into the void. And then I'm hearing like nothing. (laughs) And it's just so frustrating because you're like, are they getting it? Are they not getting it? Like, what do they think of it? You know, like, what am I supposed to do? And there's just so many questions that you don't have answers to. And I was like, well, maybe this will give me like some answers for some people and some information that I can use. What was it like to listen to the podcast? Did you listen alone or did you listen with friends? Um, I preview listen to it alone (laughs) 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 because uh, my wife wanted to listen to it and I was like, I don't know if you can. What if they hate it? (laughs) So I listened to like half of it and then I was like, okay, I can wait. Um, Then we listen to it together. Oh, that's nice. Did you have like special snacks laid out? Did you have a whole plan? I think I was just like, oh, I'm going to have like some beer in the fridge. So like when it's over, I'm going to have a beer. And then we probably had dinner. Like, I don't remember. I just remember feeling like, ah, you know, excited and nervous to hear the reactions to it and hear it. Funny to hear it read by someone other than me. That was like the main funny part at first. Yeah, you know, and that's that's funny. That's something we've talked a lot about, like how it should be read. You know, are we doing it justice? So um, did we do it justice? Yeah. Good. You guys got my name right and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Only a few times. Well, (laughs) I know. Um, so was there a moment you wanted to like yell at us through the podcast app? Like, no, not that. You've got it wrong. If you just turn the page. No, no, it's funny. It's like, I feel like you guys picked at this, the one paragraph that you were like, I don't really like this paragraph here. It was like a paragraph that had been less of a big deal, I think, in like my first or second draft. And then someone in my writing group was like, oh, you should really like set the scene and describe Harvard Square and like da 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 da. And so I'd kind of like spent more time on it there and um, pushed back this moment where she's thinking about this 
crush that has kind of like broken her heart and she's just devastated and like wanting like anything to get a glimpse of this person. So those moments had kind of shifted place in the chapter. So I was like, maybe it's time for me to bring back that moment, you know, that I'd had there originally. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard walk and dance between setting the scene and building that tension on that first page for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think actually that's interesting because I don't remember it being a scene of romantic longing necessarily. It felt like a lot of social interaction. And now I'm thinking when we were saying that maybe you could add in a flashback or something like that, that romantic element could be really fascinating and really pull us in. Yeah. So, and I think originally it hadn't been, it had just been her thinking like, oh, is that this person that I'm so desperate to see? No, it's not them. It's just someone who looks like them. So in taking your comments, I kind of drew that moment out a little bit more, put it on page one and made it more about the emotional impact of like, just having a crush and like what that feels like. And then in the whole first chapter, we learned a little bit more about like this experience and this crush and what happened and like, its implications in the narrator's lives. And by the end of the first chapter, you're up to speed. And I have to ask, the Haven Diner, is this real? So the whole thing is inspired by this diner that was not called Haven Diner, but similar to the diner in, in Harvard Square and gone due to gentrification. Um, you know, but actual, the name Haven Diner, not real. You nailed Harvard Square. Like, I know, you know, I'm from, right? from Maine, I and I was like, so much time there. there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. And it's so funny how it's like still exactly that way. So many elements of it are exactly that way. And then so many elements have changed so deeply and caused such like cultural shifts in tension and like divisions like deep abiding divisions that like only people from boston can have where they're just like you you're a yankees fan (laughs) (laughs) you should take that out of the podcast baby (laughs) no we're leaving that in so you talked about harvard square so do you consider this a period piece um i mean is it it's it's ya correct it's ya ya period so what prompted you to write in this time period or is it contemporary so it's set in the 90s so you guys tell me is that period it is or- oh i totally picked it up with the r's and riot girl i'm so happy yeah you did yeah. <laughs> and so for me it was really partly like the historical thing like just drawing on the inspiration for the piece is from that time period mm-hmm. and the whole like lgbt subplot of it is like i felt like i couldn't write it as a contemporary story because if i did then agents would be like, yeah, who the hell cares? Like, why is this a big deal? Hmm. And like, I know that it is a big deal. Like, I know how many LGBT kids are like, kicked out of their homes for coming out. So obviously, it's still a big deal, but was getting pushback from people in my writers group about like, oh, why would this kid's parents in Boston? Like, why would they care that she's like, bisexual or lesbian or whatever? So I felt like I had to sort of situate it in the time frame when that was more of a public worry than it would be in, you know, from an agent or an editor or publisher's perspective now. Well, yeah, a lot of people do kind of assume that's a problem that's already been solved. You know, parents are accepting everything's fine, but it's still a huge cause of homelessness, even in New York City. But I I see what you mean. You you were thinking about how agents might think this doesn't make sense because everything is fine now. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, especially like, I did just have someone ask me that question on my query letter. Like, why is this set in the 90s? It doesn't seem like that 90s. And I'm like, I don't know how to answer that in a query letter in like one sentence. <laughs> like, Well, you could right. say 
it's set in the 90s a time period before it was commonly accepted or something like that or you could say something like in the cusp of a changing world you know you know like that it is kind of the you know the 90s is kind of a divide between like in the 80s where my friends didn't come out until later and Mm -hmm. now kids are coming out really early and it's really accepted you know Mm -hmm. in you know my kids community which is great but it is kind of that cusp of change and I think that's that's what makes that special. And that change is not everywhere. It's like you assume it is because you're like, well, I don't care. Yeah. No one I know cares. But then you're like, right. oh, in the next town over, like, right. they're having live a above. whole, like, hubbub about, like, transgender kids using the bathroom. Right. And so that, that goes back into the bubbles we all live in, you know? Yeah. That is as far as we see. So, so these stories are really important. So how did you come up with the idea for your work? I think we touched on that a little bit. Is it inspired on real life or is it total fiction or a story you feel that you need to tell? I mean, I say like all of the above, probably like it just, you know, the idea started coming to me while I was working on this other book. So I just sort of started developing this character in my head as a respite from this book that just like was not going well. And um, just drawing on the inspiration of the diner in Harvard Square and gentrification and like a lot of that stuff was just really drawn from you know real life or my experience of it you know my experience of Harvard gentrifying and buying buildings and closing down like this and that so those threads I guess came together in between like what I perceived of what was happening and remembered from growing up in Boston and then this character that I had been building in my mind and the conflicts that she was facing I think it sounds fabulous yeah the world is a character here. Yeah. So assuming it was somewhat productive for you to listen to the podcast, what yeah. edits have you made since then? Okay. Yeah. So let me just say in general, like what I really liked about the edits was how specific you guys were mm-hmm. and like what, you know, you're like, this doesn't work for me. This is why it doesn't work for me. And this is what I like. And that was really helpful. So the changes that I made was that I moved that paragraph that everyone liked but didn't like for page one down to page two. I had her sort of stop in the square. She's like stopping and looking around and noticing and thinking that she has this misconnection with this crush. And she realizes it's not the person that she thought it was and just sort of having this emotional reaction of being deeply disappointed. And then there's also a layer of having her see herself, um, which is something that I'm trying to work with in the whole chapter, is she just has such like internalized like fat shaming and low self-esteem from being bullied by these other people so she sees herself and she's very conscious of herself as this like fat object of shame and so ashamed and struggling with that and through the book she kind of learns to see how other people see her and the good things that they see in her and is able to overcome some of that in like a non-preachy non-obvious way but struggling on like what is the right note of that to hit in the first page in the first chapter yeah that's where you to. see that that's like a big preoccupation of hers but it's not just being hammered over the head that's a really hard balance too because it's always so i mean you care so much about issues like this always uh i mean pretty much no matter where you grow up these are things you're going to think about no matter what your context is and that's hard to put it on the page in a way where you can show growth but also not make it too intense so yeah it's it's a challenge to go over familiar somewhat some familiar territory in a new way but um i think it's a really worthy challenge so yeah i feel like the changes i made were around the middle 
it still has the same framing. So a lot of the things that were there are still there. Different things are pulled into focus. Wonderful. So tell us, um, so writing's a journey. (laughs) It is a journey. Um, What is the best thing you've learned on this trip? The best thing that I've learned, I mean, you know, I think at the moment I'm just trying to take a step back and appreciate what I've done and what I've made happen for myself and to just be patient with the process. If you had one piece of advice for other writers, what would it be? I think I'd want other writers to, oh God, there's so many pieces of advice, you know, like to do the work. Like I see, you know, agents posting these just terrible queries on Twitter and being like, people sent this to me. And I'm like, what the heck? Why did someone send that to you? Like, that is just awful. You know, (laughs) do the work, do the work, take your time. And then like use the resources that are available to like run it by our writers group. Take a class if you can't afford it. If you can't afford it, like get a book, listen to podcasts, you know, do the work, stay positive. I love, I think I, I love that do the work because I feel like that in the end is what it's about. You know, it's like not just talking about, yeah, not just talking about it, sitting down, doing it, learning, talking, critiquing, reaching out, failing, starting over, you know, that all of those things make you better. So tell us, do you have, what, do you have any questions for us? Yeah, I guess just circling back to the thing about tone that we were talking about, like how much self-deprecation is too much. Ah, well, there's how much is realistic and then how much works on the page, of course. <laughs> I don't think there's an easy answer. So it's interesting. I I just finished um, teaching tonight and we started our pitches of our screenplays with music. And I think, you know, if you think of your book as a song, right, that you need to have the highs and lows of that of that tone. If you're going, if you're going dark, in one period, I think the next song that you hear in your piece, if that makes any sense, has a lighter note. Yeah. So, so you can move to that, that self-deprecating space, but if you spend too much time there, it overwhelms. So I think of knowing, you know, just that range of emotion is something as you look towards final edit and revision that you might want to just think of the musical almost soundtrack of this character's life because like you always need to have hope and too much self-deprecation can end up feeling a little eory yeah i know and i think that's where i was feeling this afternoon was reading over the first page and chapter changes that i made and going on to chapter two and just being like oh it's kind of like a lot of darkness Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need, but I got to break it up a little bit. You can dive in there fast and kind of just be there, but you don't have to hit readers over the head with it. I also think it's really interesting how if you have a piece with a huge emotional and aesthetic range, then the scary things and the sad things and the hard things seem so much more intense when they're counterbalanced with something that is beautiful and fun and exuberant. And if you really want to hit that note, it's kind of like, when you don't expect something to really just punch you in the heart when you're reading and it comes out of nowhere, I think that can have an incredible, unforgettable effect. But people kind of stop paying attention if things stay the same for too long. So if everything is perfectly comfortable in your life, for example, you don't really pay attention. It's when things change that suddenly you realize you need to focus on what's happening around you and you're more aware. And 
kind of like if you're more aware of what's going on in your life in terms of what your senses are telling you and what people are saying, that's kind of the mode you want your readers in while they're reading your book too. You want them to have a sensory experience and feel for your character the good things and the bad things. So I think, again, just that range is really useful because then the moments when your character is self-deprecating, we will have seen something else that's so different and as that changes over time as your character grows then it's going to be something we want to cheer for oh i love that jessica that was good (laughs) i like cheering for characters it's always i do too it's it's that moment when you want to be in the movie theater and just stand up and yell you know um i love that feeling when you're when you're reading a book too it's almost like watching you know those great sports movies where the underdog gets out on the you know the court and makes that three-point shot and you know like you want those high points to have the low you know to really appreciate the low you want to see where the character came from which is why the triumph means so much Mm -hmm. this has been awesome I know. You guys gave me an idea. I'm like, all right, I'm going to break up that tension. Yay. Awesome. I know. Thanks. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think it'd be interesting down the road if you have a revision and, um, you know, we could even maybe do a comparison reading or something like that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. You'll need to let us know how it goes. Yes, oh, please do. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm gearing up for DV Pit. So we'll see how that goes. Yay. I'm gearing. Yay. Yay. And seriously, I think you are so brave and lovely for not only sending us your page, but letting us read it on the air and then talk with us about it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a fun opportunity. Thank you both. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, you can do two things for us here at the Manuscript Academy. One, you could hit that subscribe button so our podcast get delivered directly to your phone. Or you could give us a review and let us know what you think. And then check us out on manuscriptacademy.com.